I think we actually nailed that. Sure. <laughs> I definitely... Nailed like a coffin lid. Oh, yeah. Also, just because we haven't had one of these in a good long while. Ah, gonna need one this week. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah, baby. I have some earth-shattering news that may change the entire complexion of how the public interacts with one another from this how, point forward. How's that? And the world has been hinging on whether or not this was a possibility, and I am glad to announce John, Ryan Johnson, and I are on speaking terms again. Ryan John, the, the the director for the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Oh yep. dear, dear God! Sorry, that was such a weird pull. <laughs> I, I thought you were talking about like someone like we know in our personal I, life. I, I, so wait, I was, was getting... I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for the first. <laughs> wait, what's the episode number? What's today? It's forty three today. So for, uh, yeah, so forty three percent, Michael. He finally understood a reference before you or I. Oh Shane. my goodness! As the uh, what. What do you mean? Before I understood under- the reference, I said the reference. I understood no, I mean, the reference before I mean, you even knew understood. the reference. Ooh, uh, I mean, the, a broken clock is still right twice a day. Well, Michael's still going to blame the technology behind it. <laughs> uh, but I watched Knives Out yesterday, and How? it officially brought me along. How are we so similar but so different? Where. I was kind of like disenchanted at the end of Knives Out. Like I enjoyed it and I had a lot of fun with it, but I was like, yeah, well, that, that was a good like one once over. But Last Jedi, I'm like, yeah, let's I'll fucking suck that dick all day. We are not going to devolve into another argument about Star Wars because you and I are never going to be on the same planet. You're Hoth, I'm Endor. It's just we're we're different people. You have a bunch of little furry uh, people. Oh wait, no, that's their moon. That's Endor's moon. Never no, mind. they actually they're actually furries. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they are they are half uh, Wookies, which is. Well, important to point out right i'm glad that you enjoyed knives out and i did not say that it was a bad movie in particular daniel craig is just just immaculate i love that Exquisite. man i love it when he puts on uh very hokey southern accents uh like when what logan lucky is that the other one that he kind of plays a simple or he has a simpleton-esque accent i have not seen that film I, apparently it's from the dude who did fucking oceans or whatever, but I've never seen an oceans movie. Fucking so oceans. Really... It's not like, yes, the fucking oceans. Oh. You can't get pregnant if you fucking an ocean. I heard that. <laughs> it's before sea sluts actually, as I recall from the canonical touch of the cinema fiends. So before we were rolling Shane, like right before we were rolling because of that word, you mentioned limp biscuit and you know how on social media over the past couple of months, the, there's been just an uprise in uh, people wanting your top 10 albums or your top 10 of anything. No, I don't. I, I wasn't aware. Oh, that. that's right. You don't stand there. <laughs> but uh, my social media blackout existed long before it was a trendy thing that everybody's jumped on. Social and media that is hipster. the closest I'm going to get to any sort of political commentary on this episode. Remind me, I have a story, and it's actually a serious, it's not a funny story, it's it's an actual story. And I'm I, intrigued. It came, it came into my head uh, last night, and I've been reminding myself all throughout the day not to drop it. But anyway, so the Facebook post that has been making the rounds, or Instagram, or wherever you beg for attention, um, <laughs> <laughs> myself included. No, I like it. Essentially, it is your top ten albums, just the album cover. You know, you can't share why. You just share the picture. 
of the is album it cover. The one oh okay, I was gonna say then there's the other one where it is Bill Clinton sitting on the floor with a series of okay. records. I have seen that, that one. That format I love. <laughs> oh, so it's just the picture <laughs> with no context. Yeah. Um there was a record that just kept popping up, and this is before I went through like a little purge. Because uh, I've just been deleting everybody left and right. Just it's, it's, it's effective. Like if someone was breathing next to me the wrong way, I've just been deleting them. Um, you are me in my <laughs> mid twenties. Congratulations, you caught up. I'm so glad I didn't breathe wrong next to you yesterday when I went into your work. Whew. Well, you'll find out in about two weeks, ah, won't you? Shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you see that thing I posted on Instagram, John? <laughs> anyway (laughs) there there's a theme and i saw at least four people in a day to two day period post limp biscuits significant other and i realized that i i dog on limp biscuit all the time for good reason because the music doesn't hold up well it is Um, but a lot of the people yeah a lot of the people though like they would like in the comments be like oh my god the guitar writing or like what west borland and blah 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 um go over like the technical proficiencies here and there. So I was bored and I, what else am I doing with my time? So I just threw significant other on and I only got halfway through, but there was one point, there's like one song, almost, I think track four or five, it starts off and it sounds super modern to today's terms. I was like, Jesus. Okay. And it's just instrumental at this point. I'm getting, I'm getting hyped. And then Fred Durst comes in (laughs) with his terrible lyrics and it wasn't, I'll give him credit. It wasn't even, his melody, because the melody was solid. He wasn't like traditional. Oh, that fit there. He was, <laughs> he was like being subdued. Like you probably, I think probably like five or six years later when they started covering more popular or like you know they did behind blue eyes. I think. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god! So that guy actually can kind of sing here and there. Um, but yeah, giving it was him his, a little credit. Yeah, it was his lyrics that uh, that sunk. Song that song. Uh, Fred Durst is the only human being that I've encountered who rhymes a word with the exact same word and thinks that he can get away with that. <laughs> so I can't give him any credit. The only thing I will give Fred Durst credit for is that the world as we know it would not have re- gotten the overall exposure to cold that it got without Fred Durst because he's the one who signed them and put out their first record. Well, wasn't he behind Stained also? Yes, but that is I, – I will give far less credit for Stained hitting the, the mass media because I'm sure they that would band have probably would yeah. have hit it. Cold, I feel like, is such an acquired taste for people. And I was looking back at my high school poetry books that we had because we did – I was the editor of a literary journal as hoity-toity as that sounds for a 16, 17-year-old. And you, and you realized that Fred Durst stole your entire like front <laughs> half, like freshman, sophomore year. No, uh, I was better than Fred Durst at 15, and that's saying something. So but... what would your your version of Break Stuff be? Like if you had to rewrite Break Stuff <laughs> – you can you can circle back. You can be an esoteric pull later on. <laughs> My poor brain, John. You can't expect me to have to pull something that banal out of my ass i quoted that song to becky the other day and the reason i knew that she has way better taste than i do is because she had no idea what the fuck i was talking about the only chocolate starfish she has ever encountered was yours after manscaped i think (laughs) the quote i said was uh it's all about the he said she said bullshit indeed 
Uh, no, the the seventeen year old angsty Shane was apparently a definite scooter acolyte without question. It is heavy. But Sigourney Segway, speaking of manscaped, I'm going to have to write a strongly worded letter to a series of individuals. And Stephen, this is where you need to jump the episode at least three minutes. But I received my my manscaped starter kit. And when they say you cannot cut your ball sack with their device, oh, oh my god, they're, they're wrong. Oh no! What kind of skirt are you working with, man? Oh, I mean, there are more folds than a pirate flag. Yarr. I understand. What is, it, like a, what is it like a topographical map of Utah down there? <laughs> basically, if you feel an avocado, you know, with baby oil on it, that's basically what my testicles feel I like. I think Future Me's gonna skip three minutes ahead of this episode. <laughs> But I will say it is a revelation. This is not anything that they are sponsoring because, as you know, we don't have any sort of import. But I have another segue with that as well. But uh, I have nothing but a rave review for it. They actually have deodorant that you use. So they have okay. a testicle deodorant that you can put on. Uh, and not odorant. Yes. And then a refreshing spray that you put Ooh. on and then air dry. I'm telling you, it smells fantastic. I, I have... used. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I have never been so ecstatic to touch my testicles and then smell afterwards as I have been after getting this package. <laughs> okay, before I tell you what I used to refer to nut odorant as, um, yeah, you know, sometimes I do that. You know, like it's one of those habits where, you know, just we're guys. And we're <laughs> Becky said, well, and she's like, she's like, do you ever... Oh yeah, of course you have. Yeah, you touch your dick all the time. She was saying, she was like saying essentially like how she doesn't like just like play with her own tits. Like, the, and me, like if I was a girl, same dumb brain that I have, I would I'd be knocking knocking those honkers around all day. Um, but yeah, like I have a hand on my pants when I'm like idle, and I don't even realize that I'm doing it. So then you bring your hand back up, and you're like, oh, I worked out. Okay, that's what that. <laughs> uh, but I used to refer to nut odorant uh, as gold bond, like the 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 green or the mint green one, All right. the, the winter green, yeah. And you just slap that, go down there, and it hurts like fucking hell, but it's worth it. <laughs> See, I I'm not trying to get to the John Watkins. My dick hasn't fallen off, neither have my testicles. I'm not trying to induce that state. I, I just feel... want to be fresh. <laughs> I feel like maybe I accidentally like Doctor Manhattaned my my dick and balls <laughs> when I was a teenager by just. <laughs> oh my god i got shame <laughs> so they're glowing indistinctly and then they start multiplying like, when you and becky are having sex like what if i just did so many dumb things and i got hit so hard in the in the balls or like i did that nut odor and stuff like so like feverishly that i just i killed like maybe i have a zombie dick and like that's the reason it hasn't fallen off <laughs> it's the undick <laughs> Uh, well, saying that we didn't have stroke, how's that for a segue? Oh, shit. We actually did get an email, gentlemen, asking if we wanted to be a brand ambassador. Yes. <laughs> no, you have to it, listen to the terms and conditions first. Oh, it's for, like, a fitness company. <laughs> And I don't know whether they've looked at us, but the, the opening line of the email, which I actually have, I can pull this up. Yes, I have this. kept yeah. this open. Is now before you read it, does this mark you? It, it, does this strike you as spam? 
or does this actually seem legit? Because- I, I responded to it because I want to see how deep the rabbit hole goes, as is my usual fashion. Is this someone messaging our band account being like, hey, I heard you need representation. Would you like to be on a record label? Possible. Uh, but uh, this is I've gotten this uh, from it's uh, I brand X because we don't know whether or not we're actually doing this. Fair. So before we lampoon it, I'm just going to say the only reason I brought this up is the initial email tickled me to no end, but it's, hey, disinformed podcast, all one word because that's how our email is formatted. Understandable, yeah. Mm, already off to a bad start. <laughs> I stumbled upon your Instagram account, <gasps> and it looks like you're absolutely killing it. <laughs> this is also not faring well. Now, if killing it, by that do you mean that our Instagram account <laughs> looks dead. like a fucking graveyard, <laughs> which the say, activities relegated to rats and small if, nightly creatures. If by killing it they mean we are showing the antithesis of the platform, then sure. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're they're just asking if we uh, would like to be a, a brand ambassador. It's like, oh, dear, dear Lord, if you think that we are actually going to churn you anything other than disgust and disdain. How much do they want us to pay them? Uh, well, the terms are very agreeable because we get 25% off of product purchasing when we order. And our fans would get 15% off of their order, and we get 10% of whatever it is that we generate for them business-wise. So, pretty much nothing. (laughs) So, you sign up, we get 25% off of their products, and they get Mm -hmm. nothing from us. Yes. I, yeah, sure. I mean, fuck good it. to me. Yeah, the closer we are to danger, <laughs> indeed, the further we are from bankruptcy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, fuck it. You know what? One third approval. I already said yes before I heard the terms and conditions. Right. So we have <laughs> Just, well. I mean, at this point, there's an old joke that essentially uh, you walk up to a, a very attractive young lady. Uh, this is not going to be politically correct. This is an old joke, and I'm going to put that before John says clip that, that I am <laughs> putting a big asterisk and a caveat here. But the old joke is you walk up to a very attractive young lady, and you said, would you have sex with me for $2.5 million? At which point, if the individual says yes and seems agreeable to the prospect, you say, oh, well, would you have sex with me for $5? At which point, if they respond, no. What do you think I am? It's like, well, we've already established you're a whore. Now we're just haggling over price. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) It's really rough. It's very terrible. I feel like that got put back in your head after uh, reading that scene in American Gods when Wednesday is talking to Easter. Yes. You know, like rabbit fornication. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I like it. Ten fingers, ten toes, and... (laughs) I like him young, pale-skinned, and buxom. It's alive. (laughs) I want curves like a goddamn canyon highway. Just give it to me that way. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I'm lost. (laughs) So, John, tell us the, uh, the tale that you have going so that we can start giving a little bit. Because, you know, one of the things we're trying to prompt these days is having conversations about the State of the Union at the present. Yeah, I do think it's important. So have Uh, at it. I think what Shane is saying is that not saying anything is worse than than tapping into it. So I I remembered a story from when I was 15 and it was in the I was 
my friend group then was basically the first band that I was in. And I mean, that kind of trickles down to my whole life now, but I think I'm just better at choosing people now, except for Shane. No, I'm just kidding. Shane, yeah, I was going to say, I'm the notable <laughs> exception to this rule. <laughs> no, but so I didn't have my license yet. Uh, my friend Joe had his license um, and he had this shitty, uh, shitty little beat up car, but super proud of it as you are of your first vehicle ever. Um, and we would do the typical, like, you know, you go to band practice, he would drive us around, we'd just go hit, like, you know, any excuse to be in a car. Um, so one evening we drove to our bass player's house to work on some stuff, and we decided, after we left, we'd go see our friend who was closing up shop at, like, a Taco Bell. And we were driving towards the Taco Bell, and we were stopping at a light, and someone hit us, uh, like, rear-ended us hard like they didn't stop they were going 40 miles per hour and they they hit hit the back of the car so and they I, would have been like front page porn hub that's how hard they hit you basically yeah um and, and i always think about that in a different context too because i'm always if I'm, if I'm a passenger i like to lean you know into the center and for some reason or another i wasn't leaning in the center but the the whole back glass shattered and a huge huge uh, piece of glass shot up through the front so i always think like if i didn't if I had been how I usually am, like, I don't know where I'd be. Um, but all that aside, um, we get the car pulled over uh, into an apartment complex. We start, you know, call the cops and everything. He got hit so hard that his license plate fell off <laughs> as well. So the moment we were safely um, in the complex, you know, he takes his license plate and he throws it um, into the shattered back, you know, just to, to have it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And my friend Joe, like, he he wasn't poor, but he wasn't, he well, was in the, that gray, yeah, he was in a, the gray area between poor and middle, if that makes sense. Not to say, not me being like, oh, look at me, blah, 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 but to comparatively, get the two laptops. Yeah. <laughs> no, com- two comparatively, laptops. comparatively, I was doing, I was doing, I was in, I was in a better household in general, just without getting too deep into it. Yeah. Um. So he was effectively almost living in his car. I think he was about a senior in high school at this point. And, you know, just anything you can imagine. And also, he was not a cleanly person. Like, he wouldn't throw away his cups. He wouldn't throw away his bags from fast food places. Uh. It was just all piled in the back of his car. It was very stereotypical of someone owning property for the first time. <laughs> you know, like, it's theirs and whatever. But it, finally, the the police show up and... They're doing the whole, you know, ID, registration, blah, 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 talking to everyone involved. And for some reason or another, uh, or not for some reason or another, they needed his license plate. So he told him, you know, it's just in the back of his car. So he turns around and he goes to grab the license plate. And at that moment, the cop draws his gun, points it, and shouts for us to stop what we're doing. And I have never been so scared in my entire life because I've never had a gun, up to that point, never had a gun pointed at me. I don't think I have since. And the reason being is because my dumbass friend had an airsoft gun in his car, and you could see the orange tip, but they, they looked really authentically real. Um, and all we had to do was just be like, oh, it's, it's fake. Just look. Just look at the orange tip. And just like that, it was fine. And I think about that now because it really shines a light on the privilege that we have as, as white men, uh, white people. Like, if... You, if you can, you can not, add the man to that. Like that's, I know, that's it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I just, I it just it, that story just hit me out of nowhere. Um, it, it just everything that's going on right now. It's just so fucked up to think about that. 
like the the privilege that we have that we don't earn there is the closest correlation that I've ever had with any of this, and this is in no way saying it's I, – I really have appreciated the one meme that I see consistently these days of the I don't understand, but I can you know attempt to appreciate and, and try to sympathize. Mm-hmm. I grew up in an environment where there were a significant amount of hate groups that were functioning, one of which was an Aryan Brotherhood uh, – group that was very well known and somewhat pronounced so once i had shaved my head i managed to make a lot of people exceedingly uncomfortable unintentionally so the pocket joke from that point forward for me was as i would always say you know this is you know a solar panel for the sex machine or whatever other nonsense i want to say is like this is not a statement of political ideation like I'm, i'm not trying to say anything here and i have made a point of being a little bit more aware of who I'm interacting with and how I am interacting with them. But I have had any number of instances where I have interacted with officers of the law or security guards or other things and having worked their job and having done similar and have an uncle who was a sheriff and family that worked with attorneys my entire life. I understand both sides of the coin almost acutely because I've been in both shoes So I can sympathize with individuals who your aesthetic is the thing that you're being judged on. And I don't even have even close to a minute understanding of someone who does that moment to moment every instant of your day. There is no part of your life where you go through where you're not under that scrutiny. But I have had enough instances where I can empathize with that. And it's really difficult to try to gain back ground on someone who has already made a judgment call on you purely from looking at you. Yeah, And so to then take that and put it to the nth degree and exponentially grow that, I can't even begin to fathom how difficult it's got to be to just leave your house, go about your day-to-day activities, and then try to make it through. And it's it's just really unfortunate. The thing that always floats back to me, and then I'll toss the ball to Michael for a little commentary here as well. My friend group when I was in high school was routinely referred to by the faculty members that I hung out with because I identified more with the adults than I did my peer group. As you have mentioned. They would, yeah, it checks out. Yeah, yeah. They would refer to my friends' friends, the people I was actually seen with frequently, as the island of misfit toys. <laughs> I don't tend to gravitate towards individuals who are popular and socially acceptable, who are well-adjusted or balanced. I grabbed the people Present. who... <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Particularly when I was young, for some reason, I wanted to... A good friend of mine, when we went into eighth grade, he had been sucking his thumb in public, in school, until we were in eighth grade. And that was a really good friend of mine. He was a really clever, ingenious individual. He told a lot of fun stories. His name is Josh. Was, I really enjoyed spending time with him. But the guy was a social outcast. It's I, I basically lived in the Losers Club because those are the people I hung out with by choice. I would specifically go try to find people who didn't have friends and befriend them because I know what it feels like to be excluded and kind of ostracized yeah. for no good reason. And I think that if you could apply that mentality to others, that's not an attempt to brag, but just saying that's my mentality. And I've always felt that way is that I want to find the person who's not being sort of fellowshipped or brought along by other people in the room. And those are the people I want to befriend. So shaking hands across the aisle has always been kind of my personal perspective on things. And I feel like we would get along a lot better 
in our day-to-day existence if more people tried to adopt that notion of just, well, Absolutely. let's not just stick with, oh, well, they're wearing the right clothes. They obviously come from the right side of town, and they're saying all the cool hip things. They have the brand new iPhone, and so I feel like I can befriend that person. Oh, look at their kicks. They must be cool. Right, and I feel – and. Um, at our heart, we are not this podcast, so I, right. I know we'll we'll get back into more candid conversation after it, but I feel like it would be kind of tone deaf not to at least, you know, say something. But I feel like essentially what you're 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 putting down is just kind of the awareness of systematic racism. Yep. And the fact that, you know, there are a lot of problems that need to be addressed and they need to be fixed. Uh, and it starts with the system that was built. So I, individuals sorry it, uh if you it, i was about to seek into my own thing so if you if you wanted to say like, uh, as a summation it, yeah the thing that really frustrates me is individuals in a position of power who feel like it is their right to belittle and beguile individuals and i'm not making any further political commentary than that but we have cultivated a stance in this country that is a very separatist ideology which is there's either if you're a republican or a democrat you're a liberal or you know you have an agenda yeah and no one wants to play with each other anymore it's these are my toys and i'm taking them over here and you play with your toys over there and this we need to stop looking across the aisle that way as these are my enemies and we need to start trying to find more commonalities and understand people and give a little grace and that's just not happening from the top down. And I feel like we had leadership that was a little more emblematic of understanding and acceptance and tolerance. And that has somewhat gone the way of the dodo. And I, I hope that we can get that back. Yeah. I don't know what the key factors are, but conversations like this hopefully are a catalyst. Yeah. yeah. And also, I'm glad to – on for the majority, I'm surrounded by people who share that sentiment. Which, on top of like a shit sandwich of a week, it's always nice to look around you and know the company that you keep. So, yeah, good on you, man. That, like that. good on Mi- all of you. I think Michael. That's actually a good point to mention, like the the company that you keep, because there's the company that you um, consciously keep, like your friends, and then there's the more the company that you're kind of stuck with, which is being your family. Um, oh joy, yeah. Yes, my <laughs> my parents are. They're conservative, but not as partisan as most other conservatives would be. But considering that they grew up in Arizona and spent most of their lives in Arizona, they are racist to some degree. And that clouded a lot of my thinking when I was younger to where I didn't understand that there was actual wage gaps. I just thought everyone was already – I thought racism was fixed when I was a kid. And that was something that I needed to be ta- taught, which I needed friends to t- to tell me. Like the only thing that I had really experienced that was different from a lot of other people was that. And I, it's funny every time I think about it, like it was sexuality. Um, I'm I'm straight as can be. It's weird. Uh, it's but actually you throw, but you throw a dick like a gay man. You'd assume so, but I don't even know how to throw a dick. <laughs> Do you throw it like a boomerang? Do you like shot put it? But anyway, um, you'll know when you'll you'll know when you know. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. It'll come to me intuitively. I'll like or in you. Uh, Fair, fair, fair. But my out of my three closest friends that I had for my whole life, one of them very gay. I actually finally met his husband 
um, the last time he visited a couple years ago. Um, my other, my only f- major female friend, she's bisexual. And then my closest friend of all time, who I have mentioned before, I think on this podcast, yeah, yeah, is trans. Yeah. So, um, and when she was very, when we were all very young, when we were children, she wasn't very social. Um, neither was she very like overtly like, um, romantic in any way. She, her first girlfriend was in like, uh, I think like a junior or senior in high school, but now she's got like, she's polyamorous as well. So she's got like three, at least that I'm aware of three girlfriends and everything. And it's, it's cool that like, I was at least exposed to a lot of that when I was young, because that definitely like guided my, like, it doesn't matter to me, I don't. I, I'm not getting proposition or anything like that. So you're whoever in, you love is great. But yeah, your enjoyment of those people wasn't in, like dependent upon what they did. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I got to learn and understand sexuality is not a choice. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's, it's what you're born into. You were born this way to quote, you know, a great song and all that other jazz. But like for some reason, for me, like the the racism, the ethnicity didn't click for me for the longest time, and it took people not metaphorically bashing my head in and making me realize that, hey, like, this is an issue. Just because it was an issue in the past doesn't mean it's not an issue now. Uh, And that's something that I'm very, very thankful for, that I was shown that, because I I was that kid that, I wouldn't say pompous, but I was that kind of, like, kid that was like, oh, why do we have this, like, uh, what was it, quotas and and all the um that sort of thing because i thought racism was already done we shouldn't have this everything like why are they getting more stuff than than me as a white male because i didn't realize the kind of privilege that i had and i'm yeah. i'll say it a hundred times and i'll say it a hundred more i'm so thankful that my friends are very very open-minded and and very very forward and f- freely I'm I'm losing my train of thought here, but I, I'm no, just you, grateful for the friends you're that, doing I have good. that are very yeah. supportive in that and mm. very just open, openly yeah. supportive to everyone. Gestures it's, outwardly. It's really hard to function in an ideological stance if you're not familiar with it. Yes, and I would say I think all of us here come from fairly conservative families. We do. And the one thing that I can point to that I really, you know, I hate beating it over the head, but it's a something that I feel defines my character for me. I've always operated under the notion that you judge someone by their works, it, to use, you know, the 100%. Christian phrase. And I've really, you know, adhered to something that, you know, Dr. King used to say of the quality and content of their character. And those are the things that always were kind of the, you know, resonating bells for me, for other people, is I look at someone and see how they interact with other people. Are they respectful? Are they kind? Are they caring? And those are the qualities that I like. It's not looking at someone and going like, man, you could bounce a quarter off that man's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you, you say that. Because um, he I'm, thought that earlier uh, today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm back at work, and I oh, oh, like... <laughs> My third or fourth shift, um, it was yesterday. So I had this couple walk in, and they were probably maybe early to mid fifties, and the they're both white, and the gentle like they looked. 
If I didn't know for a fact that they weren't transient, I would have almost assumed that they were homeless by how they were carrying themselves, like as far as like their their gait, um, or the man's gait, and also he had a, a very severe speech impediment. So I was kind of bracing myself, like expecting a very rough conversation to start happening. Mm-hmm. But then once you just like I just you know you just talk to people, and I was like, hey, how's your how's your day going? And we ended up having like an amazing conversation, and they were, you know, they were bizarre super bizarre but they were 100 percent harmless and 110 percent like a joy to be around um so yeah definitely looking at who who they are who we are Mm. you really do wish that we could sort of go back to the conversation that we've had episodes ago about you know if we were blind what would attract you what are the things that would sort of grab your interest or or pique you and and how you determine your friends and your loved ones and i feel we would benefit immensely from being able to do that from time to time of just remove the aesthetic and the trappings of that and just get back to fundamentals just taking it back to the pepsi challenge yes it's a taste test as opposed to anything else or you know play it by braille for those of us who have roman hands but (laughs) 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 okay Uh... so uh, now we we've been talking a lot um about acceptance and you know being around people and you know accepting people for who they are so I'm going to be as gentle as I can Michael. I, oh no, what are you going to Did you watch Interstellar last night? Yes. Yes, I did. Oh, um, see? See I, I judge him by his character. I didn't <laughs> uh message you afterwards because I had to do some uh house searching stuff with my girlfriend. You can just say that the movie depressed the hell out of you and you were too much of a blubbery mess. To, I will to say play. that this was the closest I've ever come to crying during a movie. Um, the ghost really murph ever. scene, it turns me into a big rubbery one. I, I can't... Uh, blubbery? Rubbery? Why are you looking at me that way? I mean, rubbery would be the, the word, but the ghost love scene. So no, we're, Murph. We're... He said he said the ghost Murph scene. Oh, the ghost Murph scene. I, I don't like, know what kind we... of Interstellar are you talking about. Yeah, did you watch Interstellar on Pornhub? I'm thinking John oh. took like a hard right, and we got to Whoopi Goldberg being you know infested <laughs> by Patrick Swayze getting down on Demi Moore, and I'm like, damn, weird damn. pull, John. But okay, I guess uh, that I might... can't oh, even so yours, call that yours a is like a segue. yours is like a shocked, impressed, not like a shocked, grossed out. I, I was I, like, I, that doesn't confusion. strike me as a film in your canon. But uh, all right, back to, yes, Murph and the, <laughs> the ghost. Yes. yeah. No, I actually, I almost teared up when he, uh, spoilers for Interstellar. It's too late. <laughs> whatever. Uh, when he ejects himself from the main ship um, right after Tars, the, the robot, did the same. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And he quoted like, "You gotta leave something behind." Like I, ooh, I almost cried there. Like, and 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 that's just because like as a as a person, like I don't know why I'm I'm I approach movies I as if I'm emotionally dead. I can enjoy a movie, but for some reason I just don't get emotional about it. I don't know why. It's I'm, I feel like it's a failing on my part because I wish I could cry during movies. I feel like I I was that way probably two or three years ago, and I don't know what cl- not clicked. Something something changed, and all of a sudden, I I can definitely I I don't weep like I don't turn into like the person like you see like bunches and bunches of tears going down their face, but I definitely now I can at least self acknowledge and like <laughs> and like I'll get I'll get watery and some movies in particular uh, will, will will get me 
good. And I think it's Michael is dead inside. I am almost but not quite dead inside. And Shane is comparatively super woke. Uh, (laughs) I fall to pieces at the drop of a hat. And this has been documented. Melissa and I routinely kind of point out I cry at books. I cry at movies with little provocation at all. So, yeah, Interstellar, by the time I get through it, I feel like I've had a head cold for a month and a half because I have been sobbing through the bulk of that picture. I, I'm Particularly, getting goosebumps ta- or just trying yeah, or like remembering things from it right The now. sequence where he's you know getting the communiques from his kids after he mm. has been down on the planet for seven and God realizes the amount of time that's passed and he's seeing his adult children speaking to him and he's just going to pieces watching someone cry will kill me at any given interval but that sequence in particular really resonated with me and struck hard but that whole movie is just a giant gaping wound for me i basically start out primed for for bawling it's actually i I had a relationship die on me because i went and watched the arrival with this person oh is that the the natalie portman joint uh the dude who uh, uh, this is amy uh, it's jeremy renner and amy the the woman that plays adams uh, yes thank you thank you yes 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 it's so essentially similar uh i'm not gonna spoil the film for you yeah the the, the woman that plays lois lane in the most recent yeah yeah Yeah. it's they're they're deciphering language yeah basically yes. yes they are the ones making first contact with an alien entity that has come down they have to figure out what the aliens are trying to communicate to them and uh i'll save everybody the spoilers but the end of that movie I was blubbering like you had just told me my mother died and I had to hold her in my arms as she went. Like I was falling to pieces <laughs> oh, no. by how oh, touching very that understandable. was. And I looked at her and she was stone faced just looking at the screen like this was the biggest bunch of shit she had ever seen in her life. And I at that moment had that like this is a zombie. I'm with a human being that's incapable of emotions and I'm not going to put my genitals anywhere near them anymore. I've decided. Can you say what their name rhymes with? No. Oh, it's not anyone you've met. Oh, okay. Never mind. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No. If you're if you're thinking of the, the Liana, that was the, you know, Kevin Smith thing was, it was easily enough. Got it. (laughs) So, for uh, speaking of things that make you cry, I got into a a major funk last night because I've been reading like a fiend. So I went through a series of books by M. R. James, and then mm-hmm. got into uh, it's yeah, it's old. Like he's a contemporary of H. P. Lovecraft. He was a British horror writer from okay. mid eighteen hundreds. Really interesting stuff. Very eloquent. Very well written. Uh, and then I flash forward to I got an audiobook. I did a free trial of Audible and got. If it bleeds, which is the Ooh, most the recent most, Stephen yeah. King release. Oh, at first you had my curiosity. Indeed. Well, uh, it the the titular story. That's a word I all too <laughs> infrequently get to utilize. Is a sequel, a direct sequel to The Outsider, and oh. features Holly Gibney, who is uh, a character from the Mister Mercedes series, who is also in The Outsider. I have not read The Outsider yet. Nor have and I. And so to read a se- to get a sequel to the book basically is uh, somewhat deflating, but it actually made me want to read The Outsider even more. So I ordered it, and I now have it in my possession. 
But I say all of this to say that as what I was going to get to get me through to that once I finished that book because I got through it as an audiobook, I was done with it in a day and a half. Do you just do you just like sit down on the couch and listen, or do you walk around? Or I walked around, so I was listening to it while I exercised, and then I was awesome. uh, playing video games to it as well. So I got through a lot of my basketball stuff while listening to nice. it. Nice, but. The long story short, too late on all of this, what I was leading to is I started reading Hearts in Atlantis, which was the first time I've gotten into that as well. Yeah, okay. Which has, you know, Dark Tower tie-ins. and Which he hasn't met yet. Yes. And so that depressed the ever-loving hell out of me. And I have to say that the one thing that I'm finding is starting to really get to me with King is... Um, Young children and teenagers who are being picked on physically or mentally abused and then uh, being abused by bullies is really starting to get to me. I feel like I have to take like a palate cleanser for anybody who has a trigger with that, particularly once you get through it like that's pretty cathartic in general, but it's still really hard to get through. But um, this is not a major spoiler or anything, but in the course of this story, the um, main character's girlfriend, and they're both like 11 at this point, gets beaten with a bat by three high school boys to the point that it dislocates her shoulder, uh, you know, fractures ribs, and, you know, they have to take her and, and try to deal with this. And he gets back at the guy later by beating him with a baseball bat. But the whole sequence was really staggering, and it did something to me. And, of course, it's... um. 1960 where this is taking place so there is a lot of tacit racism and Mm. the n-word gets bandied around a lot and it's of the time but it just it's interesting having read that particularly at the time that we are it it was uh, kind of emotionally devastating and i i finished the section for the the low men in the yellow coats which is kind of the dark tower tie-in and i got through that section and i i took a brief pause and I watched some basketball to bring myself back to, to level and, and get balanced out emotionally because I was not going to keep soldiering on. I, it made me cry. I had to take a break and, wow. you know, get myself through. There's been some interesting emotional stuff happening, you know, just in the world and then personally. So we're all kind of swimming. But yeah. I, And I'm glad you brought up Stephen King because we are just uh, basically 25% of Stephen King podcast. Mm-hmm. Um so I am doing my homework so that I can listen to the Stand podcast with Mike Flanagan. The first episode's live now, um, and I have about sixty more pages to read until I have the required reading out of the way before I listen. Nice. And much like the Le- Big Lebowski, the second time through is way more enjoyable when you know where everything is going mm-hmm. and where everything is being set up. And you you were touching on like him and how he kind of like zeroes in on on the young um i feel partly how that hits so hard is because he just he fleshes out characters so well mm-hmm. in general he uh, the kingslingers podcast pointed this out in drawing of the three that he spends paragraphs upon paragraphs giving side characters entire relatable tangible backstories Mm -hmm. and then you never see them again like he he draws them so well that you're like oh this person's gonna be a major player and then literally they're ghosted and i think about that with the stand because the first 115 pages because that's where i'm at right now um is just introduction of characters and their circle around them in the midst of a viral pandemic eradicating the united states uh, or the world rather but 
Yeah, Stephen King, I think, is just really, uh, he's just, he's just, he's the man. He is exemplary at creating characters and seasoning them enough that when they feel real, they feel relatable, and they feel lived in. It's It doesn't feel like a contrivance, and I think, it, you know, there are people who have an excellent skill set with that and sort of an innate ability, call them the writing nerds, if you will, Yeah, who, who've just got a feel for human emotion and how to convey that in a way that feels tangible and, and not artificial, and he's brilliant at it. I love right. his stuff to death. It really Really, it's difficult to tear away from once you get back into it. It's, um, I would say the reason why I like his work is the same reason why I like um, George R. R. Martin's work because it's very character driven. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- there are things that are happening, things that are beyond the character's control, but how the characters are reacting to it and how they're adapting to it is, is what makes for just the most interesting uh, the drama, it, it, especially for like a, a book like it. Right. Where they have this supernatural thing that's occurring, but these kids are like, even if it's way over their heads, they're still trying to do whatever they can based off of what they know and what they understand. And that helps them immensely. Um, But it's the same thing as like Game of Thrones or I'm sorry, A Song of Ice and Fire, given that, you know, these characters, they may set up their own, you know, dilemmas and stuff that they have to later fix. But like, it's at least... Like it's it's very it's a lot more investing, um, because all the characters like they aren't just like one D like flat like boring like I'm I'm the Lancer or you know I I I serve this one purpose and I'm gone like like you said John each character even if they're just a one shot character and then they're gone like they still have some sort of backstory to where you can understand their motivations even if you only see them exercise their motivations once. Yeah, it takes an absence of that kind of writing to realize how awesome it is when you have an author who who approaches uh, things in that way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, nothing against Neil Gaiman at all, but G- Graveyard Graveyard Book is essentially a YA novel, and there is not a big flushing out of every character. Mm-hmm. And and that as as you'd want, like he drops a bunch of names from the people yeah. in the graveyard, but a lot of them are just kind of like faceless and shapeless. Uh, as a, uh, oh, I get it now because they're ghosts. No, uh, no, but yeah. you know they, they float in and out of the book to the point <laughs> where if they re- if they return back, I'm like, oh, oh, oh okay. I, I guess I was supposed to care. Did so you thing... intentionally say float in and out of the book like on purpose? I accidentally said that. Yeah. Okay. Stumble into grace. <laughs> it's the thing I had with American Gods as well that really started irritating me. Like I said, is he throws a lot of gods that you have no frame of reference for. I feel like the book got bolstered greatly by having a visual aspect added by the television show so that I at least have a correlative where I will remember certain characters. Yes. Yeah, I mean, other than three or four names that you're familiar with, after a while it just becomes this weird melange of unpronounceable names, and yeah, I just don't have the mental capacity to run with it. So thankful for the audiobook, which I just finished two days ago. Uh, another, another, another one that is way better upon a, a repeat um, but I don't think it'll be a yearly reread for me. Whereas I didn't expect to enjoy the stand a second time. And here I am thinking it might hold the test of being able to be rereadable, um, almost on a yearly basis. I will end the book topic yeah, on my, on my own accord by saying, me. oh yeah, you should, you should definitely try it out. If not for the fact to try and nerd out on another podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's you still too, have also. my copy of recursion. Shane by Blake Crouch. Oh, so I thought you, you were need, pointing at me for a second. I'm like, if you need reading material and you want something that is 
fun sci-fi, little heavy at the end, but an overall fun ride. I would I would tr- check that out. I uh, I am well furnished with reading material at the present, <laughs> having just gotten my I got Salem's Lot and Ooh. the Institute and the Outsider with my Amazon points. So oh, man. I am well provisioned with go. stuff I need to catch up on, and I think King and I are, are back in, in full swing at the present. All right. And cool. so I'm going to enjoy the ride whilst it lasts. Mm, and how? And we can say, in summation, we are most certainly dyed-in-the-wool and card-carrying constant readers at this point, I believe. Yeah, I feel like I'm too far gone. Now, would you gentlemen like to have a, uh, Michael has a, a quick story he wants to uh, throw at us before we dive into our reading for yeah, today. Yeah, I think, I think with our time constraints, we probably have, what, two episodes, or two chapters, maybe? Something yeah, we'll like see that. how, we'll see how quickly it goes mm-hmm. here. Michael, yeah. you had a, you had a story? It's supposed to be the funniest so, thing I've ever heard? Uh, 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 uh I don't really You're think You're doing that, terrific. But, so, anyway, I was working the other day, and one of the people came in a little bit early, And he walks up to me while I'm just making a pizza, and he's like, so I have a quick question. And I'm like, okay, I have a quick answer. And he looks at me dead in the face. He's like, do you have Asperger's? (laughs) And I'm like, no, it's a pizza parlor. We can't, we don't serve that here. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, if it was, if it was most other people, I would be offended. But I know that you don't ask like question you don't ask offensive questions without you don't ask a question without some sort of context and then he later was like yeah uh, i asked because i recently found out that i was diagnosed when i was younger with asperger's and i was just seeing because you've talked about your mental conditions and having adhd if you have something similar and i was like oh see i knew you weren't just being offensive by just asking me randomly if i had asperger's you had a purpose behind it so that I wanted was... to know if you're as broken as I am. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember feelings? <laughs> Michael, do you remember that guy that touched me inappropriately in the fourth grade? Because I sure don't. <laughs> um, yes, I do, little Jimmy. One, that's amazing. <laughs> Two, because Shane had asked me before, I did now follow up with my brother-in-law. Uh, about coming on as a guest and he is he is debating it presently he is honored to be considered um and what he noted let's see oh actually he has he had a dad joke that reminded me to invite him because i feel like it would have fit in on the podcast really well okay if it's bad enough i'm gonna revoke his invitation so (laughs) if an incel sticks with it long enough and has the durability to really commit for a lifetime does that make him a Duracell? <laughs> <laughs> either way. <laughs> okay, I, no, he's doubly invited. <laughs> Why either, isn't he on now? <laughs> and he finishes with postscript. Either way, it's the Energizer Bunny's fault for not loving them. <laughs> Someone's lost their rabbit ass mind over here, I think. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Would laugh again. But he, he provided me a brief update on this, uh, the enigma that is this person on LinkedIn that he's found. And he, uh, he's saying he desperately needs to finish the PowerPoint that he, he started to make because the dude, Keith, has tw- had <laughs> left 27 comments on his own post, alluded to his own death, and hasn't posted in a month. <laughs> what the... Oh yeah, just keep so, teasing us on on this like guest appearance. Like I, I'm now really invested. I will in keep really asking interested. him. I'm fairly certain that we can get him to come on, and then it'll, it'll be good good stuff. 
Well, the best part is, like, as long as he has a computer with a microphone, he can talk to us. I guess oh, he yeah. should have headphones. Probably, he, but... he has all of these things and more. Oh, perfect, then. He doesn't even have pets at his house. so He doesn't even own pants. I can you almost don't really guarantee that he will not be wearing pants. He will, I can almost guarantee, be sitting in a moon pod while uh, while recording, though. Which is essentially Interesting. like a single-seater love sack. When you say love pod, I thought of the uh, the uh, Men in Black um, when he was originally getting uh, um, blown tested. Test. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. I picture oh, that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, I think writing on the, the yeah. Anyway. The tagline for this show is no pants required. I like that. Considering that I'm all you can that... see are our faces when we talk to each other now. Um, yeah. You don't know. You don't know if I'm wearing pants. And the last time you guys did see what I was wearing, you made fun of me. So you're never going to see these fucking ham hocks again. Or these as long as you're wearing meats. something, I don't, I don't mind. Clip that. <laughs> Previously... On My Immortal, we discovered a bonded Draco Malfoy who was absconded with by Wolfmort, who had him bondage. And then Ebony and Vampire then, of course, go to Dumbledore, seeking succor and aid. Do you ask for aid and succor? (laughs) And uh, Dumbledore told them politely to go fuck themselves. And unfortunately eventually came around to, you know, semi-assisting in the way of he got them so stymied that they were eventually aided by no, Michael. No one. They they just did it themselves. Well, if you can't help anybody, you got to help yourself. Yeah. Ham- yeah hamburger they, helper. Right. Yeah. They they just they just teleported straight to his lair. They they found the teleportation spell that they just they cheated through the whole dungeon, got to the end part. Uh, teleportation spells a la cadavra yes well. yeah, yeah. a la cadavra and then they uh they found and then they discover of course yeah. snake tail sorry you're right snake tail and uh snake tail of course is in lust with ebony as <laughs> everyone is i just can't stop masticating indeed none of us can can't stop won't stop and of course, uh, Snake Tail was very quickly dispatched, as I recall, uh, stabbed in the he heart was... and bled out. <laughs> I think she also shot at him, didn't she? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Before he revealed his love for her, so uh, guns coming in handy, mm-hmm. and it's coming in people's asses too. <laughs> uh, and then they, of course, untie the Draco, and they hear Wolfmort uh, ambling down the stairs, and. Asking who has stolen my Oreos. <laughs> and so they grab and run with Draco. Subsequently, Ebony then goes on a rant about why she couldn't be, you know, less perfect <laughs> and less desirable. Okay, it's starting to click back. Now. And gets terribly <laughs> yeah. morose about the fact that she is a Mary Sue and everyone, you know, just wants her greedily and Shane. lustily. I cannot appreciate you enough for recapping because the audience thinks that it's for them, but it's actually for me. And I know it's for you as well, um, but you're the one that puts the effort to having the summary. And I want you to know that I appreciate the ever-living fuck out of you every well, week for doing that. I, I'm really desperately trying to hold this together is all that is really happening here. Because, uh, yeah, this... Uh, whew, it makes... Almost as much sense as Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. 
It does, yes. <laughs> and I haven't been confronted with a midget's bare ass yet, so maybe that'll There's happen. time. I have, before we start, a very oh, important no. question. Fuck off. Um, does anyone, aside from myself, want to voice the next character that is going to appear? I didn't want to say it out loud to spoil it, but yes. I mean, you can that. Yeah, you can. Uh, no, you can I don't care. That. You can parabola. Here, here, here I'll the, give you a do clip. the wah wah. Here, I'll give you Not... a clip. <laughs> okay, <laughs> done. I will do that then. Sweet. The sound that John's asshole makes when he's finished uh, using the restroom. <laughs> oh, I'm done now. <laughs> um, <laughs> cue the bidet. Does does I do I does I does either of you? Well, I've already lost my. How about considering? You, yeah. We have grown up already cast. I would say it would be reasonable for him to also. As far as I'm aware, these are different characters. Oh, fantastic. Well, all right. <laughs> now, all right. Then how we're going to resolve this is, uh, Michael, I want you to perform John's impression of that character then. I want okay. your take. Give me I, your I will mm, try that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I think without further ado, uh, it's ready. We're, it's about time to uh, talk we were past verbial hogsmead pig. Indeed. Uh, let's get the swine flu, folks. All right. Chapter sixteen. We ran happily to Hogsmead. There, we saw the stage where GC had played. We ran in happily. MCR were there playing Helena. I was so fucking happy! Gerard looked even sexier than he did in the pictures. Even Draco thought so. I could totally see him getting an erection, but it didn't matter, because I knew, no, that we were, duh, only true ones for each other. I was wearing a black leather mini dress and black leather platinum boots with red ripped fishnets. Draco was wearing a black baggy MCR t-shirt and black baggy pants. Anyway, we start moshing to Helena. We Frenched. We ran up to the front of the band to stage dive. Suddenly, Gerard pulled off his mask. So did the others. We gasped. It wasn't them at all. It was Volsamort and the Death Dealers. WTF, Draco, I'm not going to a concert with you. I shouted angrily. Not after what happened to me last time? Even if it's MCR and you know how much I lick them. What, because we, you know. Draco gadgeted uncomfortably, because guys don't like to talk about you know what. Yeah, because we, you know. I yielded in an angry voice. We won't do that again. Draco promised. This time we're going with an escort. So I guess you're a prep or a Christina or what no? I asked. No. He muttered loudly. Are you becoming a prep or what? I shooted angrily. Everything. I'm not. Please, come with me. He fell down to his knees and started singing... The World is Black by GC to me. I was flattened, because that's not even a single. He had memorized the lurks just for me. Okay, then. I guess I will have to. I said, and then we Frenched for a while. 
and I went up to my room. B. Luddy Mary was standing there. How'd your mother, mother, she the girl? She said happily. She specs Japanese, so do I. <laughs> Dat man's how do you do in Japanese. By the way, where that fucking pose got this bold? She fell out of her clan and she came man. Oh, she's going to be Jim Bob now. <laughs> as long as you can under as long as we can understand what you're saying, then that's that's fine. I we'll don't tr- think we'll you try. can understand what we're reading. So, I mean, uh, in general. Fair. Fair. See. <gasps> it serves that fucking bitch right. I laughed angrily. Well, anyway, we were felling all depressed. We watched some gothic movies like Das Nightmare Before Christmas. Maybe Willow will die too, I said. Kawaii. Be Luddy Murr shook her head energetically, lethrically. Oh, yeah, uh, her confession, uh, she got a spell, I murdered her, and she didn't. Lupin did it with her cush. He's a neckflick. Kawaii. <laughs> I <laughs> commented. <laughs> Happily, we talked in silence for the rest of the movie. <laughs> oh, hey, BTW. I'm going to a concert with Draco tonight in Hogsmeade with MCR. I need to wear, like, the hot set outfit ever. I seed. Be Luddy Murray nodded and regetically. Oh, gee, tell us, shot. In Hot Topic, right? I asked, already getting out my special hot topic, loyalty, Carday. No. My head snapped up. <laughs> what? My head spooing. I could not believe it. But, Luddy, Mary, are you a prep? Nah, nah. She laughed. I found some cool guy. <laughs> I can't fucking do this anymore. <laughs> This is the stupidest chapter of this entire fucking thing. You're not wrong. Uh, (laughs) I found some cool gothic stories near Hogwarts, that's all. Who told you about them? I asked. Sure it would be Draco or Diabolo or Vampire. Don't even say that name to me. Or me. Dumbledore, let me just call on Brahms. Um, if Dumbledore? I asked quietly. Yeah, I saw the map of Hogsmeade was dead. Come on, let's go. She told me. We were going in a few punk goof stores, speciality for concerts in Hogsmeade. The salesperson was OMG hotter than Gerard, except not because that's impossible! And he gave me a few dresses. We only have these for the real goths. The real goths? The real goths? Me and Bloody Mary asked. Yeah, you wouldn't believe how many poses there are in this town, man. Yesterday, Lupin and Snap tried to buy a gothic camera punch. He shook his head. I didn't even know they had a camera. Oh, imagine now if they're going to spy on me again. I cried, running out of the changing room wearing a long black dress with lots of red tulle coming out and very low cut with a huge slit. Oh, my Satan, you have to buy that outfit, the salesperson said. Yeah, I love how I hot, said B. Letter Mary. You know what? I'm going to give it to you free because you look really hot in that outfit. Hey, are you going to be at the concert tonight? 
he asked Canadianly. Yeah, I am, actually. I looked back at him. Hey, BTW, my name's Ebondi Darkness Dementia Taraway. What's yours? Tom Ridd, he said, and ran a hand through his black-dyed hair. Maybe I'll see you there tonight. Yeah, I don't think so, because I'm going there with my BF Draco, you sick perv. I yelled angrily, but before he could beg me to go with him, Hargrid flew in on his black broom, worried. OMFG Ebonandi, you need to get back into the castle now. I fucking hate you, Michael, for everything that you're putting us through. Can, all right. I don't even know if it's because I don't really have a plan for Be Luddy, and it's just improvisational, but immediately by the end of this chapter, I felt better because you started Tom Riddle pretty normal, and I was like, I was really impressed, and then all of a sudden, you gave him a, a southern accent? Well, I tried so, so I did hard. say he needed to, you know, basically be Voldemort Jr., and he needed to do an impression of you doing an impression of Voldemort. And so, I failed at that, uh, and, I think, 110%. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it, you had it, you know, one out of 87 words that you spoke. You, you basically But landed. again, one-third of us. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't this. preface this at the beginning. You, so. can just, you can just go to the other episode and just splice it in. Yeah, oh, sure. Nah, nah, I'm good. Yeah, nah, you can put do a little that. more gonna... work in. Yep. Nah. Yeah, Michael said he would do it because he's gonna have more time. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I'll just uh, cut that out. <laughs> now, John, I don't know. I, I I spoke with you last episode for the listeners who are paying careful attention and said, "What happened to Billy Quizboy?" Because we've now gone from arse face and Billy Quizboy to Drunk Sam. And I don't know why Drunk Sam is suddenly Draco okay. Malfoy. Okay, you know what? Chapter 17, I'll bring you back and this is what you're expecting, right? That's what I'm expecting, yes. Okay, sorry. So here's the thing. I need to I need to pick the hills that I'm going to die on. And I got distracted because I really, I, I know Vladimir. In yes. and out, like I don't need to like even think to put that voice on. I can just, I can, which is good. I can just okay. do it immediately. Yes, there you go. But I get thrown off with all the side characters that I think I'm not going to have to voice again, <laughs> and then they come back up, and then I wonder if I'm being uh, insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat pointed. Yes, I understand. Uh, now with this next uh, next chapter coming up, and I feel like that's where we're going to have to leave the episode. Yes. Yeah, is after it's, chapter it's seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, am I supposed to know who this character coming up is, Mike? That was the person that was literally killed in the previous episode. Who, um, it, bloody Mary said that she killed her, and then, um, then let Lupin did it with her corpse because he's a neck flack. Okay, cool. So you know that to close this episode after this chapter, you're going to give us a recap of what we just read. <laughs> Yeah, I can and you do have that. to make it sound intelligible. Well, I don't. No, I, anything no. I say is intelligible. I'm so going to treat you like I treat my dogs. That. I'm going to keep interrupting you until you stop. <laughs> I also have to point out that we, for the glory of this ridiculous storytelling, they were at the concert. All of a sudden, it's Volodmort and the you know Limp Biscuit players. And then she's arguing with him about not wanting to go to a concert with him. And then she's arguing with B. Luddy about wanting to go to a concert later. So we're, we're time traveling. Also, how many I... fucking concerts are coming through Hogwarts? Like, is there, it's a, just a, a three-night thing where they're playing their only album front to back for three nights in a fucking row? 
I have a theory concerning about that f- first paragraph or so. Um, you know how in some TV shows where they show like a cut to a head and then they cut like flashback to like the normal stuff. It's almost like a teaser. Yes, Ebony I... Apologist. I am familiar <laughs> with the time phasing. Yeah. I, I, I would probably call myself more of a Terra um, apologist oh. um, now because now I'm just trying to defend the, the author's uh, writings. Um, but that's that's going to be my headcanon for what's going on. Okay, I, I just, you know, I feel like we would get a lot further towards some form of coherency here, which I realize cohesion is not what we want with this book. Apparently, we just want to drive everyone insane and with the misspelling and the lack of plot and, you know, racial stereotypes and horrific writing and in general, you know, just word vomit. That's what we're aiming for, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's about right. Okay. It's a suicide by book is what we're angling for. <laughs> Mostly. It's all of these little laid in, you know, subtle, subversive things like how many times she cuts her wrists over the course of this book. Mm. Hmm. All right. Well, without further ado, let's uh, let's put this this to bed. Yes. Let's do. Chapter 17. Tom Riddle gave us some clothes and stuff for free. He said he would help us with makeup if we wanted, cause he was really into fishing and stuff. He's bisexual. Hergerd? Hargerd kept shooting at us to come back. C-U-M come to Hogwarts. WTF, Hargrid? Fuck off, you fajucking bastard! I shouted angrily. Well, anyway, Willow came. Hargard went away, angrily. Hey, bitch, you look kawaii, she said. Yeah, but not as kawaii as you. I answered sadly, because Willow's really pretty and everything. She was wearing a short black corset thingy with blood-red lace on it, and a black blood-red miniskirt, leather fishnets, and black pointy boots that showed off how pale she was. She had a really nice body with big bobs and everything. She was thin enough to be anorexic. So are you going to the concert with Jaco? She asked. Yeah, I said happily. I'm going with Diabololo. She answered happily. Well, anyway... Draco and Diabolo came. They were both locking extremely hot and sexy, and you could tell they thoofed we were ought to. Diabolo was wearing a black t-shirt that said 666 on it. He was wearing tons of makeup, just like Marilyn Manson. Draco was wearing black leather pants, a gothic black GC t-shirt, and black vans he got from De Warped Tower. B. Luddy Mart was going to the concert with Dracula. Dracula used to be called Naval, but it turned out that he was kidnapped at birth and his real family were vampire. They died in a car crash. Naval converted to Satanism and he went goth. He was Slytherin now. He was wearing a black warped t-shirt, black jeans and shoes, and black hair with the red streakers in it. We call him Dracula now. Well, anyway, we all went to Draco's black mercy bands. Get it? Because we're... 
that his dad Lucian gave him. We did pot, coke, and crank! Draco and I made out. We made fun of Dose stupid fucking preps. We soon got there. I gapsed. Gerard was the sexiest guy, Eva. He locked even sexier than he did in pics. He had long raven Blake hair in piercing blue eyes. He was really skinny and had an amazing ethnic voice. We moshed to Helena and some otter songs. Sudanly, Gerard pulled off his mask. So did the other member members. I gasped. It wasn't Gerard at all. It was an ugly preppy man with no nose and red eyes. Everyone ran away but me and Draco. Draco and I came. It was Vlodimort and the Death Dealers. You moronic idiots! He shooted angstily. Inabi, I told you to kill Vampire. Thou have failed, and now I shall kill thou and Draco. No! No, no please. please! We begged sadly, but he took out his knife. Sudanly, a gothic old man flew in on his broomstick. He had long black hair and a long black bread. He was wearing a Blake robe that said Averill Levine on the back. He shot it a spell, and Vlodimort ran away. It was Dumbwalidor. I'm going to throw my fucking phone against the wall. <laughs> that, I don't know. I might be shaking my core. I just think maybe this is someone who uh, might be a little um, diminished writing this book. Maybe I'm, like, I think diminished? it might be someone uh, I should ask if they have Asperger's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quick question. <laughs> hey, uh, do you that, have Asperger's? <laughs> that is fucking painful. And if you're listening to this, I don't know why. The Tarantino, like, you know, time travel sandwich theory, Michael, you know, <laughs> we've we've now done this to ourselves twice where she's just, you know, throwing random chunks in. Either this is someone who doesn't understand how copy-paste works or too acutely understands how copy-paste works. It's it's baffling. So why don't you sum up these two chapters, which I feel like it's been a lifetime since we started. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can do that really quickly. Please do. do. Please do. So Crake chapter- is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yes, it is. I did some earlier. That's why I'm wired and ready to go. Um, so chapter 16 starts out with um, a, a shot to the future where uh, Draco and Ebony are at the concert uh, listening to Gerard, 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 whatever, Mr. Way. Um, I don't know why. I'm just not going to pronounce his name right. I just, I can't. Continue. I can't. You can anyway, find him on the Waze um, app. It's fine. Yes. Um he pulls off his face, and he's Velosimort and the Death Dealers. Cut back to... All in one person. He's Velosimort he... and the Death Dealers. <laughs> yes, true. Fair enough. Him and the other members of his band. Okay. So, cut back to the right after Chapter 15 when uh, Draco asks Ebony to the concert. And she says no. She is afraid that they will have sex, even if they have sex every two, three right. chapters. Um, and so Draco promises in his very 
um, inaudible or intel- unintelligible language uh, that he is getting a uh, he will bring an escort uh, to which Ebony re- completely shoots that down and calls him a prep. Um, so then apparently they still decide to go. Uh, then is later, he protecting her by bringing a prostitute. Apparently so. Sorry, I mean, if sex he's gonna, worker. He's going to have it. sex somehow. So um, whether it's Ebony or the escort, he's going to cuck Ebony. Tell. It's great. Yes, in one uh, way so or another. Then, yeah. So then later, Ebony and Bloody uh, Mary go to not Hot Topic, but a local store to buy clothes for said concert. Well, you should they buy run local. Into, yes. Exactly. Hashtag buy local. Um, then they run into Tom Riddle, who has, as far as I'm aware, no affiliation currently with this Vlodemort. Um, they go shopping for a bit. Hergrid shows up. End of chapter 16. Chapter 17, they tell Hergrid to fu- fuck off. Willow appears, who I failed to mention was killed, and then her body was defiled by Lupin in chapter 16. Mm-hmm. Um, then they, uh, uh, Tom Riddle gives them stuff for free, uh, and then they go to the concert. Uh, we are introduced to, it was spelled Naval, Naval, but it's Naval. Neville. <laughs> it is Neville from yes, the books. Uh-huh. Neville is Jacola, and then, if I recall correctly, Ron, Ronald we- Weasley yes. is Diabolo. Correct. Um, they all go with, uh, so it's, it's. Ebony, Draco, uh, Bloody, Mary, uh, Diabolo, uh, Willow, and then uh, Dracola. The six of them go to the concert. uh, Goes off without a hitch until the lead singer, whose name I will not try and pronounce, pulls off his mask along with the other members. And turns out that it's actually not Velosimort and the Death Dealers. It's Velodemort and the Death Dealers. Everyone runs away except for Ebony and Draco because apparently they just have the that uh, deer in the headlight syndrome about them. Um, especially considering that they're trying to, they're not trying to get killed by him. Uh, I actually, you know, considering how often they try and slit their wrists and commit suicide, you can't even tell with these characters anymore. Um, right before Vlodemort uh, kills them, uh, Dumbledore, or I'm sorry, Dumbledore appears. In uh, completely decked out in black uh, with an Avril Lavigne uh, robe and shots a spell and Volodemort runs away. Shotted, yes. Uh, Yes. Okay. Now, the task was to make that make sense. Yeah. That, I mean, you you took away all of the terrible voice acting and the amazing narration and shitty writing, but you you didn't make make any sense. But I don't feel like it actually needs to. And speaking of making sense... Do you know what we haven't done, and we can really Martin Scorsese this before we get out of here? An intro? We can tell them the podcast they did listen to today. (laughs) Maybe the intro can also be the outro. Maybe I'll just play the intro and outro music overlapping each other just so it sounds like ass. So you're trying to make this podcast into the sequel to My Immortal? <laughs> I so am going I'm just to try and fucking. find a, uh, since I my only job that I, I have in this podcast is the music now, I'm going to try and find a royalty-free lullaby version of 43% Burnt by the Dillinger Escape Plan for the namesake and also because we have 43% Michael today. I... I don't understand any of those references and i'm just gonna say okay as long as you can prove to me that it is um royalty free then by all means we'll do it well i didn't expect you to follow up so now i'm gonna give that up <laughs>
What? <laughs> Shane's, Shane's gonna kill himself. And I'm himself. Michael. <laughs> Shane, stay with me, baby. Don't don't do that. Put the knife down. <laughs> okay, now he's really off-putting, staring at the camera. I'm I'm picturing like one of those uh, more recent horror movies. Is that a plate like, of unfriended poutine? And stuff. Oh no! Why are you pulling your pants down? <laughs> well, I'm now Michael. I want to watch Unfriended. So, uh, thank you all for sticking with us here <laughs> and listening to the Disinformed Podcast. And uh, I hope that you've all enjoyed, one, this, you know, oddly emotional and strangely didactic episode. And then this plate of drizzling piss that has been my immortal again. But... Anything else we want to add before we, uh, you know, twist the head off of this doll and put it to rest? <laughs> as much as I hate my immortal, it is nice to have something cemented onto the back half of all of these episodes. <laughs> and even though I know that it's probably going to end in one of our personal devices being smashed, Michael. Um, <laughs> hey! <laughs> I do feel like I'm going to be sad once we're done making an audiobook for something that no one will or has ever asked for. Uh, when did Michael become your personal device? <laughs> since he started, <laughs> since he got his haircut. Uh, Ouch. All right. Well, I think before we go, I have one final thing, and I think I was I was tasked with pulling this as a, a regular occurrence. And I feel like I've outdone myself because I now have a four-page document full of things that we will have seated for future episodes. And so our recurring bit is going to begin today, gentlemen. And uh, we don't have to start it immediately, but I want to give you a sous-son, a little taste of things to come. So this is our first edition of Fuck, Mary Kill. Oh my god. Ooh. Okay. All right. Now. I'm good. From our subcategories of Fuck, Mary Kill, I would like you all to pick one. We have Killer Edition, Dictator Edition, Presidential Edition, Wizard Edition, Witch Edition, Jedi Edition, Archie Edition, Comics Edition, and Music Edition. Jedi. Sure. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to give you this one uh, because it'll be the, the layup here. But I have one that is deep cuts uh, Jedi's for for those that that want to get dyed in the wool here. Yes. Oh no. Pun intended. I might not know any of them. So uh, the first one: Anakin Skywalker, Obi Wan Kenobi, Mace Windu. Can I have them all sodomize me at the exact same time? And and I'm going to throw the caveat out here that I have already used the "fuck them all, kill myself." That I was going to say move from, from, from the here, record. Yeah, from here on out. That yes, is we the have only to rule we have for the segment is that you cannot use that answer. Yes. Um, I have mine. Um, yeah, go for it. I think I have I would I fuck Mace Windu. I would kill Anakin Skywalker, and I would marry Obi-Wan. And down. why? Uh, I feel like Mace Windu would probably be the best that I've ever had, considering that when I watched the movies for the first time, that purple lightsaber just titillated me. To no end. Mm. Uh, Anakin or Mannequin has always been such a boring fucking character to me that I would love nothing more than just fucking just to murk him out of existence. And you'd marry Obi-Wan because Ian McGregor. Of course. And Ian McGregor. All right. I mean, that's reasonable. Michael? 
I now I wish I went first because I was gonna uh, I want to co-op that, but okay. I, mean, I will give. We're all gonna give the same answer here for entirely yeah. Wait, different reasons. Where to? Yes, yes, yes. No, yeah, I believe so. I, I'm gonna say yes, yes, yes. I was originally <laughs> thinking of fucking Anakin, uh, switching Anakin and Mace Windu, um, only because he Anakin has so much passion. But then I realized that he probably hasn't really. He gets. He has so much emotion. He kills children. That's very emotional. And um, women. Very emotional. I mean, he only choked her for about 20 minutes. It's different. That's, you know, just foreplay for most people. He forgot the safe word. Um, but then I also realized that he probably has, like, no sexual experience. So, like, it would just be all sorts of anger and frustration and gone to waste. So, this was literally occurring in my head when John was talking. So, I I would switch back. I would kill Anakin. And I feel like, yeah, Mace Windu would be able to understand things and be able to guide us. And then, you're right, it's Obi-Wan. Just mm. If you're looking on the emotional spectrum of characters, Mace Windu has a significant amount of rage, a significant amount of understanding, and, Ooh. you know, a significant amount of pizzazz. Call it You're panache, right. but he is not a vengeful Jedi. He's not a Sith. He's a Jedi. So I feel like he would still be a passionate lover. And for God's sakes, he was Shaft. If that is not a man that's going to show you yeah. a good time in bed, you're going to get it. So give me, give me all the Windu, face, neck, and chest. Hit me with that purple light. Also, he's bald. It. You can throw a wig on him. Uh, no. I mean, he's what? bald. He and I can start by vigorously rubbing all four of our heads together. <laughs> Take any sequence you want. You bald know, on bald action. In this moment, I wish that we had moderate fame. Because if there was some random person that drew a caricature of you and Maze Windu naked rubbing fucking tips... Of both forehead and dickheads. I would buy that for a hundred fucking thousand dollars. All I'm saying is that is the lightsaber fight that everyone has been wanting to see. <laughs> is he and I with a... <laughs> Get that fucking shit away. It now, would put the lightsaber kid to shame. That's for sure. Indeed. I might cut my leg off with it. Uh... <laughs> Now, Anakin Skywalker, yes, we have all wanted to kill that son of a bitch, and if we have had anything that has been proven out by the canon of Star Wars is he's better off dead. Very true. Very true. And, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the master of Zen, everyone's grandfather, that man is a delicate and caring lover, and you know he's full of compassion, and he will be with you. Always. Always. Yeah. So that, ladies and germaphobes, is our first edition of Fuck, Mary Kill. And I'm sure that you're really going to appreciate all of these other subcategories that I've got going here. Um, killer edition, I am like 12 strong here already. I'm, I'm looking, I didn't want to say that one uh, because I want to save it. You know, I, 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 mm. I, I'm Asher with the yeah. separation anxiety that even though it doesn't matter, like, it'll replenish... I don't want to waste it yet. Mm -hmm. I agree. Don't blow your load on the first try. Yeah, I have one that I guarantee is one of my favorite closers of all time, and I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to hearing answers on this one. But beautiful. There's a just a little uh, bit of the tip for all of you for well, the future fuck you. Mary kills. I appreciate you doing that. I try. Mm -hmm. You know, and I want to make wow. this a fertile ground for all of us to to plow and marry and tend and then kill. 
So, right. for the aforementioned Disinformed Podcast, I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. Thank you all for sticking around. We sincerely appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming. Don't worry. Willow will clean it up. Because she's buxom. And sexy. And Big Bob. Isn't it Kauai? And, and I'm also a neckful. Later, Duracells. <laughs> <laughs>